Tim Joyce. We hey, skipped, we skipped last week. I can't believe it. I know. We got bombarded. We got a chance to hang out in person, though. I know that that was the big benefit, and I think many of the uh, the shot uh, guests were in presence <laughs> at the wonderful <laughs> Chicago Health Excel event. So uh, it was it was, it was great to catch up. Uh, I think the largest dinner um, that I've been at, at was Health it? Excel. I think so. I I think uh, I think yeah, it was the largest. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Okay. And and where Good. in the world is Jim Joyce? I am in Rapid, Roanoke, North Carolina. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I'm evacuating. I, I was scheduled to go uh, be in a board meeting in Orlando, but we had to evacuate um, because of the hurricane Ian. Hurricane oh, Ian. That's right. That's right. That's right. Kind of nice right. Irish named Irish named hurricane heading that way. Um, <laughs> so I rented a car and just drove to DC. Got so it. if I look a little haggard, I'm, I'm, no, I'm a few no, hours no. on the road. No, no, no. I mean, listen, uh, <laughs> s- sending lots of uh, love to the people that, you know, hopefully won't get uh, affected. But uh, but sounds like you're you're just Zooming. Yeah, I'm just like, a, as usual, just slightly ahead of the storm, yeah. <laughs> usually heading into it. <laughs> well, you're usually leading, you, you, you kind of create, creating the, 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 the whirlwind. Right. Or, the yeah. rhythm. The, the rhythm, rhythm, the rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Uh, well, good to good to resume, um, and uh, we're gonna let in our guest, uh, Tina, who uh, actually, you know, Tina and I have never actually met in person; just kind of exchanged um, over. Awesome. Gosh, how many years now? Um, so, wel- welcome to the shot, Tina. It's good to actually kind of chat pseudo live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. I'd Hi, Tina. It's pretty exciting. It's almost like being on, I don't know, The Voice or something like that. <laughs> like, you just suddenly appear. I'm just the, kind of waiting to be let on stage. That's the vibe, right? Wait, We're Jim. Costumes. <laughs> Jim, Tina just gave us, should we? No, we can't rename to The, the Voice versus The Shot. The, <laughs> the Voice of Digital right. Health. No. But, you know, Jim... But, Tina, Tina, Jim, and uh, would would love to for our millions of listeners and viewers to hear about Tina, who you are, what you do, many other yeah. fun things. Uh, and we'll, my, we'll interrupt. Basically, you want to know how I ended up where I am, because uh, I don't know what sort of intro you gave me, uh, but uh, yeah, we want to we want to find out who tina tan is and we all know the famous publication that you work that you work with but like the 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 tina tan story is what we'd love to hear right okay so how did i get into journalism and um more specifically how did i end up writing about health tech for over 20 years and still counting really so I have to be honest and say I didn't grow up with a passion, you know, for journalism. And um, I I guess I was one of these sort of like uh, teenagers who just preferred hanging out, whatever. I was a bit aimless, much to the chagrin of my parents. But (laughs) I did know that I've always I've always believed I could tell a good story and I always like telling good stories to people. And I love talking to people and finding out about them. So. Um, I did psychology um, at university and I wanted to to write and it could have been anything, you know, I just wanted to be creative and I wanted to produce content that made a positive impact, could have been anything really. And 
during this um during that time it was like the mid 90s that trade publications were like uh, especially within the healthcare they were few and far between really and there was a, a you know a job ad for a reporter and they'll give you training as a journalist on the job uh, for a trade publication called Clinica. And that covered the medical device industry. And that's a sister publication of like uh, the more famous at that time, a publication, pharma publication called Script. So um, I yeah. joined uh, Clinica as uh, uh, writing about health policy, um, which... To me, to be honest, it was slightly dull, but I thought, hey, you know, they're like, it gave me a good grounding in terms of like what healthcare was about. And I was really interested in what like uh, my science section colleagues were writing about, you know, all the cool stuff. I think that's what got me really hooked, uh, hooked into the, the whole med tech world. Because what, what was that? Sorry? What was, what was the training program like? You know, like how do they, how do you train to become a, a journalist in med tech? So it was more training in terms of news writing, how to craft a story, because there is a formula to it. Having said that, not everybody can write. So <laughs> being a, having been an editor and trained quite a few people, some people have it, some people just don't, you know. Um, but it, there was a lot of like news writing, how to get the hook, how to get people's interest you know, from the start, from the very first line in the in the story title, things like that. Um, but I was, you know, I really enjoyed writing about medical devices. As geeky as that sounds, I actually really loved it. And I mean, to this day, I still have that sort of like what somebody, you know, that I'm going to steal their term, the no shit factor. I still get really blown away if I see something. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe no shit. That really works, you know? So um, yeah, that's really kept me interested. And from medical devices, you know, over the years, obviously digi the whole digitization of healthcare and everything came through and I moved to First Word and um, we decided that, First Word actually had a medical device a publication. It started off as a medical device publication, but we decided to just focus uh, solely on digital health because that's really where everything's happening. So yeah, that's that's where I am today. So maybe I, let's let's rewind back to the stuff you didn't enjoy as much, health policy, right? Um, maybe kind of educate a little bit why, I mean, I. I I, I think I know why, but but at the same time, if you think about you know a lot of the innovation, a lot of the stuff, it, it's so tightly integrated with policy, um, you know, and country specific, state specific, and I think like actually probably was, I would guess, a good way to get yourself inserted to understand the policy before even going into let's call it innovation and other things, right? And devices and no, things like that. Into no no shit devices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think. It is definitely important to know about policy um, and regu and regulation as well. You know, um, that is definitely an integral part of knowing how the industry works. And also when I talk, I mean, I definitely see myself more on the commercial side of um, uh, reporting about developments, uh, what's going on in digital health yeah. or just generally in health tech. 
uh, I'm more interested on the on the commercial business side of things. But obviously, you know, to run a business and especially, you know, if you are going to be selling medical devices, you know, you need to know about the regulations and the, the policy sort of thing. So I, I guess I started off on the policy side that gave me a good grounding. But as a 20 something year old, it's just a bit dull and dry. And um, I really wanted to get into where all the innovations you know, you, uh, you wanted uh, to say, no shit, this is working. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I want to say that all the time. Oh, you know, <laughs> I'm looking to startups, um, going to sort of like um, tech transfer offices mm-hmm. uh, around universities, you know, in the UK. And even, you know, I, I had the opportunity to go visit uh, countries and uh, where they have like a big innovation hubs for. Um, biotech, pharma, and as and medtech as well. So you know, I call myself really lucky. I can really get see how these things really started off that Eureka moment and how they develop it, uh, ideation through to uh, development, clinical trial. I mean, all of that is really, to me, is, is what gets me going. Um, yeah, so I don't know if I answered your, your question there, Eugene. So I mean, I might have where done, but- it, it doesn't matter because it's it's the shot, right? So, <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna yeah. We, this is meticulously unproduced, okay, unlike exactly. your beautiful beautiful uh, writing. The um, and where where did you go to school? Uh, so I am originally Singaporean. I was born in Singapore, and um, I grew up there. Um, and I left for the UK when I was twelve. My parents came over to the UK to work, so I say you know I've spent most of my life here in the UK Um, but my heart still is very much in Asia and um, I have to say when I was uh, um, writing for Clinica I started up uh, a sort of um, medtech startup section um, looking throwing the spotlight basically profiling startups in the medical device world and I was doing you know um, country by country focus and at that time I think it was 2006 and I thought oh let's have a look at what uh, med device startups there are in Singapore that was really difficult to find any at all and like fast forward you know less than 20 years it's incredible the amount of innovation that's coming out from that region so really, uh, I mean, talking about policy, this is where like the government <clears throat> policy investing in uh, the biomedical industry has really helped boost uh, boost yeah. that uh, sector. Yeah, I've spent this was years before, uh, but I've I've did I'd say like three and a half four years ago I toured actually I think Singapore, Hong Kong, Shanghai, right? And so I just I was blown away because same thing, right? I've gone to a bunch of accelerators, tech transfer offices. I was just blown away, right? And I think I'm, I'm actually kind of curious, um, given that you have at least your one eye, uh, kind of an APAC um, and covering a lot of the stuff, you know, broadly, but, you know, EU, any kind of contrast on tech transfer? Because I know that's typically been a challenge for institutions, right? Great ideas, great research, but then commercializing it. Uh, and to your point, there's been some advances, you know, Singapore and, and many other countries. So maybe contrast a little bit what you're seeing, if you can. I have to say both Europe and Asia is true. We're always, well, let's, let's start with Europe first, because I mean, they're so 
they're different they in are, sense yeah. of, in, in terms of maturity but and and the growth trajectory but with Europe it's always been considered like a laggard to the US but only because not for the lack of innovation but because the lack of funding and investment right a gripe uh, that I often hear from uh, startups in Europe you know when I go to conferences partnering conferences is that uh, European investors just aren't uh, big spenders they don't put as much money into uh, startups European startups as say you know uh, the west coast and like um, it, you know the bay area all those investors there uh, but I think things are definitely changing here and uh, there are a lot more uh, funds venture funds in Europe where um they're small they're not huge still but they re they're really committed to really helping to incubate almost they they play they play a really hands-on role to incubate these technologies and help you know the entrepreneurs take their their product not from you know just take it from uh, like a give a bit of seed funding yep. and then just leave it to, to uh, they actually help them through through to from ideation like i say from bench to hopefully boardroom at some point mm -hmm. um so i think things have really got better i don't know i mean like somebody would probably watch this and comment and say no it hasn't it hasn't changed there's Still always sucks, one right? <laughs> yeah exactly uh, well, but i really well, think it has improved and Tina, we'll give we'll give away a little bit of a secret. Uh, we say we have millions of users, <laughs> so I don't think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get too many comments. We we usually get some, but but don't worry about it. But, um, you know, it, it's funny. So so I think of um, so the Singaporean government, like they do it a lot of. They invested in my company, Health Beacon, and and it was actually the first um, yeah. Irish Singaporean med tech investment ever done where they collaborated because the Singaporean government would have always been and the Irish government would always been competition for, you know, pharmaceutical and med tech headquarters. So they kind of would have saw each other, but they were the, so, so we managed to, to broker that, but I was blown away by the organization. Like, they, they, you know, so just like I look at Singapore and Ireland, two interesting small countries that kind of, you know, kind of bat, bat out of their, you know, out of the station or whatever the expression is, what, what countries blow you away? in terms of innovation, like med tech wise or digital health med tech? What countries, I'd say, I mean, in the UK, this is, it's constantly leading the way, I feel, and probably doesn't get uh, that much uh, credit for it, but the, a lot of uh, innovations come from the UK. I mean, it's not just Oxford, Cambridge, people forget my alma mater, UCL, University College London. So like loads of innovation there. Um, in biotech and pharma in um, devices and, and now, you know, in health tech and tech. So UK, I, th I think within uh, Europe is definitely eating a wood, but I'm also seeing a lot of interesting companies from like the Eastern European yep. uh, side. So uh, Poland, especially because of tech, you know, they're quite tech driven, Poland, Estonia, and also the Nordic countries. There's a lot for Iceland, uh, Norway. Um, I think it's probably because they're quite they of culturally and like the way they're, they're quite remote, aren't they? And so it helps to have everything all kind of connected. I think they were 
sort of they 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 have that sort of infrastructure there already. So and they're quite tech savvy. So I think those are quite interesting countries to watch in terms of like uh, what's coming out there. Um, of course, there's a lot of things happening. I I have to say Singapore is also pretty pretty good. It is it used to be you know traditionally considered like just a manufacturing sort of base, but I think people are becoming really more creative. Um, and well, and back to your really comment on policy, by the way, right? I mean, the Singapore, the EDB has been aggressive, uh, you know, trying to attract talent to invest early stage to fund a lot of that. I mean, Jim's example is great, right? Um, so I and it's a little bit of that gateway to Asia, right? Um, from a Western perspective, it's a uh, you know very friendly from that perspective. I mean, it's just been a. I think my first time was actually I spent time with Tony Estrella, um, who was running a oh, yeah. team at MetLife back in the day. So I saw quite a lot of stuff there. Which we, by the way, need to have him on. Still, we just can't. He, totally. It's not. He's not time friendly to when we do this. But anyway, that's a whole <laughs> right. separate discussion. Um, I know, Jim, you were going to chime in with a question also, but I, no? Okay. Um, question for you then, um, Tina. Since you've been covering, let's call it healthcare broadly with policy, so 20 years, you said, right? Something like that. What What are some of the things that you've been looking at in, let's say, last two, three years since the pandemic hit, right? Uh, what are some of the things that are kind of like top of mind that bubbled up saying, Hey, this is what I'm seeing, you know, not necessarily trends per se, but things that just attracted your attention the last couple of years. Um, so let's in the back and then I'd like to see kind of where you, you think it's heading. So um, I track a lot of uh, venture investment deals and uh, M&A because I always think, you know, if you see where the money is flowing, that's where you can like pick up a lot of trends where healthcare is going where people think, you know, um, where the fastest areas of uh, growth are. Um, I mean, what I've noticed, I mean, I can talk across the board on a lot of like uh, points, but in terms of the money flow, I'm, I'm actually noticing, obviously, which I'm sure you guys are also seeing, is that from this crazy sort of like uh, boom and, you know, investment boom, in the last couple of years, this year it's really gone down quite a bit. I think people are still calming down and realizing, you know, um, there are a lot of uh, companies that have overpromised and not quite delivering yet. And I think digital health is exciting, and people just got way too, ex yeah, I don't know, excited about it. Beyond, uh, they just kind of like when you say follow the money, they just kind of blindly followed and like uh, would it just happen to be a sexy term AI there's AI that and you know money will start pouring I think people are becoming more realistic and uh, I think that that's good actually it's um it it gives a sort of clearer picture of like uh what to expect in terms of of the way healthcare this journey that healthcare is on to to becoming digitalized, and um, I think it, you know, people always say that before pandemic, the, the, the healthcare was already on its way to becoming digital. You know, telehealth was on its way to becoming more prevalent and um, more ubiquitous. The COVID sort of uh, pandemics of 
drove it all up, but now it's kind of like going down again. I think um, it definitely did help, but um, I don't know. I, I do see lots of, lots of areas that were nascent now really maturing, say digital therapeutics. Um, and, and I think people need to start differentiating their technologies. There's a lot of starting to get too many me too products out there. So in a sense, like uh, these valuations going down, making, I think companies work harder on how to differentiate themselves from competition. You know, I think that's a good thing in general uh, for the, for, for the growth of the sector overall. Uh, so that's why I'm watching, you know, to see uh, how things like, say, digital therapeutics, uh, I'll give you an example, say mental health, digital, you know, mental health apps, there's just tons of them out there. Mm. But it's interesting to see how now, uh, instead of somebody just coming out with an app to make mental health care services accessible, they're actually trying to make their product more specialized, more niche. So there's a lot more specialization going on in, in lots of things, even just telehealth platforms. You know, it isn't just a telehealth platform for primary care, retail platform for uh, underserved communities, LGBTQ communities, um, or, yep. uh, you know. Yep. So, yeah, that's what that's what I'm, I'm focused on individuals' unique needs, right? That's, uh, I think, yeah, we've definitely been, been, been seeing a lot of that. When you're, when you're talking to it like a, a new company so when you're when you're like after having spent so much time talking to companies and having them you know how are like how good is your bullshit detector for kind of seeing behind like what they're actually up to what they're doing you know um are you able to kind of synthesize it or you like do you get a nose for it after all these years what are your oh, you tricks when you pitch stories to me um, yeah yeah uh yeah i have to say <laughs> There's lots of Tim Pot ideas out there still. <laughs> and like uh, some people so believe in it. And you just want to say, no, mate, you know, it's not going to work. <laughs> you feel really bad for crushing someone's dream. <laughs> so I think, <laughs> I think, Tina, we, we, we're going to coin this with you, but you can hold the rights to the, to the Tina Tan um, uh, <laughs> voting system. From bullshit yeah. to no shit, right? It works. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's right. a spectrum from bullshit to no shit. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You, Eugene, I Eugene, and I we're not we're not dream crushers here. We like to lift them up. You know, we like yes. to lift them up. We're, we're the lifters. <laughs> but speaking of pitching, I'm the Simon Cowell, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, we 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 all need uh, you know constructive yeah. criticism. I think that's always the 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 key to this, not just critiquing but constructively critiquing but you, it's you, a hit, uh, hit show it's a hit show it's a hit show simon's discovered a lot of good talent and got them out there so so it has an important role hey the, <laughs> the voice keeps coming back i don't know i don't know the voice um so you mentioned the word i think at jim or tina or both uh pitch right and i think it's kind of interesting right like again i don't want to go on and like to me it's not about pitching it's about having a conversation right but i'm curious if there's any tips, tricks, um, things that entrepreneurs should consider, but also not entrepreneurs, you know, I mean, I'm sure you got PR professionals and other things, you know, we've been kind of mulling over, like, do people work with PR agencies? Why, you know, how does that work versus establishing? So maybe just a couple of hints for many of our listeners who are entrepreneurs. Actually, a lot of, uh, on 
a lot of companies do work with PRs and um, I think they should be braver in like coming to, to journalists directly rather than using PR agencies because what happens is there are good PRs, um, but they tend to be more expensive, you know, because they, they're professionals, they know what uh, they're doing and they, they do the right things. They know what my publication is about. But uh, what I'd say is the number one thing from PRs and, and from companies is know who you're talking to. You'd be surprised how, uh, how much irrelevant stuff I get. It's like, you know, my publication is called First Word Health Tech. It's not First Word Pet Health or First Word, I don't know, here, Potato Weekly or something like that. I have no idea. I mean, I get the weirdest like emails and pictures that come and I'm like, why, why did you even bother? I have to, I have to stop here. So in, so in Ireland, the potato obviously is quite sacred, right? In the, um, <laughs> the oh, potato weekly, but no, 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 I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, no, but last week, uh, our, my, our company was up for a sustainability award and, and we, we were second place to a sustainable potato. Like as, <laughs> <was some> kind of, <laughs> and I was like, I was like in Ireland, we stood no chance going up against the potato. You know, was no, there was no chance. <laughs> but from a PR perspective, this is fantastic. I, I love this. I mean, like, you know, you lost a potato, right? I mean, yeah, actually, I have to write a, yeah, we lost a potato. I have to write the, uh, I have to write that blog piece. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, going back, I'd say the first point is make sure you know who you're talking to. Do a little bit of research before approaching. Um, a journalist and this can apply to you know entrepreneurs approaching investors right you need to know if the investor actually invests in digital health at all and um, uh, and even if they're talking to customers when they're selling the the product they need to know a little bit of background do a little bit of research first and make sure they're talking to the the right person the right publication right customer investor etc whatever um, and uh, another thing is I think the start, you need to have a really good hook, to be honest. Even if you're talking to the right person, we get so many pitches. It's really, it's like crafting a good story, a new story. You know, you, that first, the first part when you're trying to get my attention is it's really important. And at this point, I mean, I know some people like to add human interest elements to it. They like to give a personal story. I wouldn't say don't do it. It works for some people. It works for me. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, other times. Yep. But just make sure that it's relevant. And uh, don't expect me to start sobbing and go, you know, <laughs> soften me up. Thinking, you know, because I've given you a personal sob story, you know, he's going to sort of like relent and just publish it, even though it's not great. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, Simon Cowell. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> no, but you're right, though. I mean, I think it's there's like a moment. I I would totally agree with you. There's like a, there's a nice way to use human interests and you know what's your own personal story, and it's a little bit of peeling the onion. It's like if you haven't hooked them on something interesting, you know, to begin with, you know, then writing into like your relationship with your you know long lost you know. Mother. I, 
<laughs> I mean, how do you think Jim and I get guests on the show, right? We 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 hook them with 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 our laughter or with our humor. I don't know. But um, yeah, no, it's good advice. Maybe before we go to Jim's question, and you know, we kind of started. We we talked a little bit about you know UK um, earlier, and there's a lot of innovation. And you know, years ago, I spent quite a lot of time also traveling back and forth. And one of the biggest challenges that a lot of the entrepreneurs were going is about the NHS, the adoption, the complexity. Um, you know, maybe since you're living there and actually reporting on a lot of this stuff there, maybe a little bit of an update on kind of where, where is NHS with the adoption? And I know a lot has transpired in the last three years with COVID and many other things, but just curious on the latest and greatest. So with the NHS, um, I, I have to say, I was there at the beginning when they started out this whole sort of uh, digital transformation initiative you know, uh, with the, the first big initiative was basically uh, transforming all the patient records to- uh, That was the Tim Kelsey, right? Was that Tim Kelsey or was there even before? But it anyway. was before, I think. Like, it yeah, before, in okay. the late 90s. And then there were delays to it uh, and yeah. a lot of uh, bottlenecks. And I know like people say, oh, the, you know, the, there are lots of people against the NHS. I have to say, I'm, I think it's it's great. Yes, it's not perfect. It's not a perfect system. But having come from a country, um, I mean, Singapore is 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 good in terms of it's very organized. They have a very good, um, you know, hospitals are, are pretty good quality, good standard. But it's there isn't a free healthcare system, a public healthcare system like there is here. And I've, I have used the NHS, you know, and I think it's it's great. I mean, where else can you get, um, you know, you, you don't have to worry about basically dying, you know, on, uh, you know, you see what I mean. If you're sick, yep. you know, you're going to be taken care of. And of course, I just I just feel so sorry for like you guys in the US, worrying. You know, you already say you have to worry about the bills to pay, and right. it costs so much. It's ridiculous. So right. to say the NHS is is good in a sense that it has always been quite, um, it has its its problems. Uh, there's still a lot of long waiting lists. It's not perfect. They're like uh, departments, they're no. siloed. There isn't a lot of communication, you know, but these are problems that a lot of other healthcare systems have as well. But in terms of adoption of digital health, I really think the NHS is moving forward at quite a pace. They've uh, got and they um, started this unit called NHSX, which is um, mm -hmm. uh, a unit to sort of like really accelerate the adoption of digital health uh, in routine care. You know, from diagnosis to treatment to uh, patient monitoring. They're very big on the hospital at home uh, program. Um, and also, there are quite a few organizations such as Digital Health London which really helped to act as middleman between the NHS, between industry and um, uh, between academics, you know, and they helped them to try to improve the NHS at like uh, all, all these uh, different areas. So um, I'd say, yeah, it's, it, it's pretty, I, I think it's the moving. situation is 
And again, like at this point, you know, if there are viewers, they probably comment and say, no, it's not. <laughs> I, um, well, I'm looking forward to kind of uh, more firsthand. We just dropped off last week my younger one, actually, at your alma mater, uh, Tina. So UCL. Uh, she's, she's, okay. So we, she just moved to London. And so looking forward to most yep. likely visiting every like two weeks kind of thing. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, and, and sort Make of sure she gets her doctor, the though. Make sure she... She, she registers for her. So now she's doing the uh, the undergrad uh, applied medical sciences uh, program. So oh, exciting! Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But Very exciting. So, Jim, why don't we go to your famous question? So, Gina. so, so you're you're walking through your alma mater, UCL, and you you spot a. Um, a young uh, entrepreneur that had just left a, a very famous uh, blog and was setting up a, a fantastic med tech company that was pursuing the NHSX. And then you, you, they asked for, they, they hooked you with a really compelling story and started unveiling their human interest story. And you found out that actually from this entrepreneur was actually from Singapore and was looking to set up the company between Singapore and, in the UK, and they looked at him and said, "Tina, what's what's your what's the one piece of advice you would give me starting this company right now? What what's that one advice piece of advice you'd give them?" Just the one. You could do two. <laughs> We're meticulously unproduced, so you, you know. Uh, I was warned about this question, but I wasn't quite sure how it would how you how it would be formulated. So. Um, let me think, what would I, I'd say, you know, really don't, I, and this can apply to anything really, not just to uh, this, this person, but uh, I'd say, you know, be brave in your choices. Don't, don't be afraid to fail. And uh, if, if you, you, I think that's just for any entrepreneur, right? You need to be able to take risks, but obviously you need to take into account be realistic as well and uh, take into account what what people be, are saying don't have a blinkered view too blinkered view you know you have to like uh, take into account what what people who are experienced uh, have to say and like uh, tell you so you know be open to suggestions but at the same time you know uh, like you say be brave be able to take risks and and, and, uh, and yeah. can I, I love it i usually don't add but i'm going to add one more you need to be able to pass the the tina tan bullshit meter <laughs> above a certain number so that's <laughs> i love that i love it i love it no one said that yet be be, be brave in your choices that's beautiful i love it thank yep. you <laughs> well thank you for making the time tina and um thank you for having me i'm so honored i mean honestly i don't know where i fit in in your roll call of like guests. <laughs> <laughs> probably everybody must have rejected you or they were busy washing their hair and like you got let's just have tina on you're at the top at the there, top there there are many secrets to how we select but that's definitely not one of them so we we, we truly enjoy the people that right. we have on and uh for the for those millions of listeners and viewers, hit subscribe, pass it on, and see you next week. Thanks.